0: He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to teresaheathwearing.com forward slash masterclass, and I will see you there. Hello and a really warm welcome to this week's episode of the Your Your Dream Business Podcast. Gosh, like, I am not having a good day today. I've got a couple of episodes to record today, so God knows what they're going to be like. But welcome to this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you're having a lovely, lovely week. So this week, now, I don't want to put any pressure on, but I've got high hopes for this week because I am interviewing the very lovely Gus, who in brackets, the marketing guru. Um, And Gus is very funny and we laugh when we see each other. So I'm really hoping that we're going to have a bit of a giggle today Well, you learn some things as well, of course. So please welcome to the podcast, the very lovely Gus. Gus, how are you doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you. I'm even better now that I've heard that ridiculously (laughs) fantastic uh, (laughs) introduction. And it's, um, yeah, but I feel pressure now. now I need to be funny. Yeah. It's It's always
0: hard when people say that because I think I'm quite funny. And then Mm. when people go, Oh, no, you are really funny. I then feel like I've got to be really funny. I've got to be really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas I'm much better off the cuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to be natural. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I did a talk once.
0: Uh, I did a talk once in Nashville for some uh, seven figure mastermind, which was very intimidating. Uh, But actually, it was amazing. And they were all women and they were like, You should do stand up. And I thought there's a very big difference to me coming out with a little funny, and actually doing stand-up. I'm fairly confident that wouldn't be for me. Yeah. Fancy a bit of stand-up, Gus?
1: No way, no. It's uh, yeah, far yeah, far too much pressure. Uh, Could you imagine? I like, I like make I like making people laugh when they don't expect it. When they turn up and think this guy's gonna be funny,
0: <laughs> that, oh. that
1: that's the moment I'm not funny, basically.
0: And you've been doing some speaking, and obviously, you know, mm-hmm. I speak and. I've done funnies, like purposely funnies on stage and some of them haven't landed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that actually because a lot of my, I, I said to somebody the other day and I shouldn't give away my secrets, but I, I, pre-plan my jokes kind of thing so I know when I do presentations I know where I'm gonna stick something funny in and yeah sometimes it's kind of when I write it down I laugh to myself and I think this is hilarious I'm the funniest guy ever and when you kind of stand up and say it, and the room is all quiet you yeah you have to quickly move on you're like okay cool that's yeah next <laughs> that next <is> it? <laughs> next item
0: <laughs> that is me all over like I will do something and I will laugh about myself that. For- ages i'll be like god i'm hilarious i will literally like praise myself pat myself like god i'm so funny um but yeah it it is it is a bit awkward and they don't laugh Mm -hmm. i sometimes i have the problem where i don't leave enough of the i don't let it land fully before i then move on to the next thing because i speak Mm -hmm. so fast so that can sometimes be a problem in my world so just you know little tip for you there gus yeah yeah just,
1: just uh yeah really wait for people to yeah. laugh yeah yeah and if they really... don't
0: get it maybe follow up with a yeah
1: absolutely yeah that's a good idea or I might just have a slide that says laugh you know laugh. like in exactly cue yeah. yeah. laughter yeah.
0: <laughs> now's the time I think, I think that is the what, what we should do that's how they're gonna yeah. get it I love it Gus okay now we've pitched you up to be a comedian um so, thanks <laughs> uh how about we start as we always do by you telling us Uh, who you are and how you got to do the thing that you do today.
1: Wow. Okay. So, uh, so I was born in the late seventies in, uh, in what Coventry. Hospital? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Wallsgrave hospital. I won't go into that. You know, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool, uh, like I support Liverpool uh, FC and I used to tell people I was born in Liverpool because basically people always say, Oh, how come you support Liverpool? And so I was used to, yeah, I was born in the Paul McCartney hospital, you know, in the Stella <laughs> black children's ward, you know, it was kind of, it was all very made up, you know, it, you know, Jimmy Tarbuck was the midwife and all that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, no I was born in Coventry born and bred in Coventry um spent my life here until I moved to London and started a marketing degree and at that point it kind of all took off I I tried my hand at nearly every subject going and I failed at everything except marketing and I thought okay maybe I'll maybe I should make a career out of this so that and that's kind of yeah that's where it went on I spent years working for some large companies international organizations I worked for local authorities I then run a pub and a restaurant for a little while and then I started my own marketing agency and that's where I've uh come and even even that is niche so i i help businesses with marketing and marketing strategy and all that kind of stuff but um it starts with linkedin that's kind of where i i say to people right i'll train you on linkedin i'll get you great on linkedin and then we'll do other elements of Mm. the marketing mix
0: okay so a couple of things first off i don't think i've interviewed anybody or they've certainly not alluded to me that has a marketing degree because i have a marketing degree Mm. Did you start your degree in marketing? I started mine in business and then within the first year realised that I wanted to sack everything else off other than the marketing. Or did you go just straight in marketing?
1: So uh, cut a long story short, basically, I did business studies as a GCSE and I thought oh this is pretty cool but then I wanted to be a lawyer so then they said oh you should do history for a level so I did history for a level and I failed it so I couldn't be a lawyer so but then I did also psychology for a level so then I thought right I'll do psychology at university and I went to university and it was all biology like we were dissecting brains and stuff like that and I thought yeah this ain't this ain't for me so I did I started on psychology I also did a minor in sociology and I hated sociology because there's no wrong answer. It was just like, it was very wishy-washy. It was just like, everything is right. And I was like, that's, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, survive in this. Um, And then I moved into law. And I thought, oh, I'll give my hand, you know, try my hand at law. And then I saw how long it was going to take to do a law degree. And I thought, forget this.
0: I thought for a while and then don't yeah, forget
1: that. Exactly. And then I moved into marketing and that's where I, that's where it became second nature. Cause once I started doing marketing modules, it kind of, for want of a better phrase, it was like this is so easy. It was like I go, you know, I could do this standing on my head. And I think that's the thing when something becomes second nature, it's so much easier to deliver to others as well, kind of thing. So yeah. that's so I failed at everything else before settling on marketing basically. So psychology. <laughs> like what's sociology, left? Sociology. Yeah, exactly. What's like <laughs> I went through the prospectus, it was it was quite close. It was, you know, I almost got to zebra farming kind of thing. Because it, it was I was that far into the that's an A to Z joke, by the way. That's fair. You, you got <laughs> it. This, got yeah, it. good. It. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, I got to marketing and I thought, right. Yeah, let's try my hand at this and then i luckily i stopped there because that know.
0: is lucky because i think if marketing linkedin is niche marketing or well not marketing zebras look zebra care or whatever the zebra thing was very yeah. niche yeah i'm uh, not sure what the prospects yeah. were like for that i am i kind of like i said i started in a business degree thinking I actually was very good at maths. So I thought I would go down like a finance route and then realise finance had nothing to do with maths yeah. and it wasn't just adding things up, which was a bit disappointing. So, mm. and then I start like you, I started doing marketing and going, this is like, I could, yeah, I can do it I'm asleep, Like, yeah. get it, I get everything. Um, So yeah, I loved it. And I love the fact that I have a degree in marketing. Mm. I think for us doing the roles that we do, I know, like you, I don't know what year you did your degree. And I don't even think I can remember what year I did my degree. But I know that what they taught me, obviously, is not the world we live in now. Mm-hmm. And websites weren't even like they were a thing, but they weren't like really a big thing that they talked about. However, obviously, the the strategy and the thoughts and stuff behind it is. So I still feel pretty happy that I've got that degree.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel the same, I think the The theory will never change, you know. Ultimately, you're uh, you're promoting a product or a service for somebody to buy, and you want to make a you know you want to mm-hmm. make a profit. That's you know the ultimate uh, the, the underlying theory. But the the purpose of a marketing degree uh, the, not that I want to kind of brag about this, but I went on to study two postgraduate qualifications in you were
0: much better than me then. Gus. Yeah, I marketing
1: and marcoms. I'm a member of the Chartered Institute of Marketing and all that. I have loads of letters after my name. But the the That's... point is that i think a lot of, yeah <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people kind of a lot of other people think that marketing is second nature as well and it's kind of like they'll just they'll just try their hand at something and think oh yeah. well you know i'm now a facebook specialist so that makes me a marketer or i can you know i can write copy and that makes me a marketer and that's not always the case so yep. i know there are marketers who haven't got a marketing degree that get very um Uh, they get, you know, their knickers in a twist about the fact that when I turn around and say, well, actually, no, I've got loads of letters after my name and I've done all the theory. And, you know, I did marketing before social media was a thing, before Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, anything was invented because the theory will never change. And I've got, I'm glad that I've got that grounding basically.
0: And it won't. And I think this is the thing for me, one of my superpowers, and I think this has got to come from my degree is that I can put myself in customer's shoes very quickly and easily. So Mm -hmm. someone can come to me and go, this is who we work with. And I can kind of very quickly go, okay, well, this is the type of person I probably am. This is probably what I'm interested in. This is how you probably talk to me. Like Mm -hmm. I feel, and I feel like I can shift from one business to another really quickly. And you must have seen this. And this episode was definitely not about uh, slagging off anybody that doesn't have a marketing degree, I can assure you. However, I used to get, and probably would still get a little bit frustrated in people who, like, so for instance, I worked with someone who had, she worked for me years ago, and she basically was an influencer, and she was a travel influencer, and she built a very good, successful Instagram And I used to have a tourism board that we used to do Instagram for. So she was a perfect match because it was very much in her wheelhouse, very much in her zone of genius. However, just because someone has built something themselves does not mean they can then go and market anything because I've marketed, we'll have a market off, right? I've marketed chicken, i.e. processed chicken, Uh, I've marketed telescopic slides so you know when you're in a car and you lift the thing and your seat slides forward or slides back obviously I've got a fancy car so I just press a button but (laughs) I remember those cars Um, (laughs) but like those are telescopic slides and like if you've got um if you're pulling out like a big server on big it's like the the sliding Mm. like I've marketed stuff like that
1: yeah
0: and I Um... think That's what marketing helps us do. We can market stuff like that. What have you, what's your most obscure? Oh, I've got another one as well.
1: Wow. What's my most obscure? So I, uh, I have marketed a sub-region of where I live. I, I always used to work in automotive and advanced engineering and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my background. So it's, um, I used to work in vehicle rental. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, You know, I essentially, I marketed Mercedes Sprinters and Ford Transits. Nice. and I was nominated for an award which was called the tranny award but tranny is an abbreviation of transit just so everybody knows um and so for example uh, thankfully I didn't win That's I didn't want to say award to be it's fair a up. very it's a very niche award yeah absolutely I'm glad I didn't win so I didn't put on my CV I'm a winner of a tranny award that would be very strange um so yeah and I, you know it's it's all that I used to work in motorsport and uh, etc so Vans, cars, you know, motorsport, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't think there's anything too obscure. Although I used to work for a local authority, that's pretty obscure in itself. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. I've done marketing for uh, children's care homes. Yeah. I mean, that's random. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I also worked in the car industry. I worked for a company that bought, this is interesting, our lives might have crossed gas, although I'm a bit older than you, I think. Um, I worked for a company that bought. X rental cars and sold them to dealerships so they would go to someone like enterprise and buy as they all like because obviously rental cars can only be on their books for so long and then they have to be gone because they get Mm. too old like when we say old they're like six months old they would buy like hundreds of them and then we would sell them to dealerships or not dealerships independent dealerships all around the country um and then i've also marketed adult toys i've done it all gus
1: you mean like playstations and stuff no 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 don't, don't, don't no stop that <laughs> I get it
0: yeah not not what I mean yeah. no ah, <laughs> it was fascinating it was but it's funny because this is the thing we're trained in marketing to go there's a product there's a customer there's a need there's a
1: hmm.
0: pain point there's a like and and just put our marketing thing on it so it almost yeah. kind of doesn't matter what the product, who the customer, or any of that, you just put your kind of blueprint back on it and go, okay, how does this work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think all marketers, all proper marketers have a marketing toolkit, like a marketing blueprint that they will kind of, Mm -hmm. they can overlay onto whatever the product or the service is. And you know, we can talk about acronyms like the four P's and the seven P's and mm-hmm. Pestle and Sostac and Dagmar and Ada and all these other kind of things. And, you know, um, and then we intersperse it with a bit of psychology, like Maslow's hierarchy of yeah. needs and all that kind of stuff. And, and it all come, you know, and we say all this fancy stuff and use all these, you know, long words and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately it's the blueprint that kind of we overlay onto anything that can then deliver that. And I think mm-hmm. that comes from knowing the theory, knowing the stuff behind stuff. So we could quite literally mark it
0: Anything. anything and anyone yeah yeah and that's where so we to come... Eskimos is the favorite yeah. one isn't
1: it absolutely yeah now that we run our own organ our own businesses I think that's the thing that we can whoever comes in because people always say well what's your niche and I normally say well I service industry businesses which sounds like everybody says that right but it's kind of it doesn't matter if you work in HR or accountancy or wealth management or photography or videography I can market your business because ultimately I understand the marketing yes
0: yes it is and I think that's why I've never had a niche because Mm. because I can market anything um this is so cool I don't think I've ever spoken to a marketer like this before but it's really interesting yeah so tell me then and we're going I did tell you we'd go around whatever direction that we took us and this is taking us a different direction but I love it so when it came to your own stuff because I very I'm going to use the word arrogantly and I'm not arrogant, but I think I confidently walked into having my own business and going, but I know marketing so Mm -hmm. I can market myself, no problem. And I couldn't, I found it really hard. How Mm -hmm. do you find marketing yourself?
1: Um, Particularly in the first couple of years of my business, it was, it was really hard. And the, the reason I started my business was because I left a long and illustrious marketing career to then run my local pub. Mm-hmm. and what i discovered was that without social media without proper marketing etc i wouldn't get bombs on seats yeah but it was you know marketing is more or less a full you know full time job so what i when i started my own agency the whole idea was that i was going to help other businesses and particularly my first couple of clients were like other pubs um and my competitors so i kind of went to them and said this is this is what i do so it's very easy to do it for other people but when i was marketing my own agency it's very difficult like the the what was it the cobbler's children doesn't don't wear shoes and all that yep. kind of stuff. It's, it's very difficult to market your own business. And I, so the first couple of years were really hard so I can do it for anybody else. Yep. I can do it standing, my standing on my head. But when it comes yep. to myself, I, I, and I think as business owners, we don't. And again, obviously, as we, you are well aware as a coach, I know it's what you, you know, a lot of what you deliver. We don't spend time working on our business. We yeah. spend all our days trying to help other people and therefore we make money and pay our bills by helping others. Mm. Um, and sometimes we have to just sit back and say, well, how do we do this for ourselves?
0: Yeah. And it really shocked me how, how much I thought it would be easy and how not mm. easy it was. And even now, this is why I still have coaches. This is why I still get help. This is I was with um, lovely Becky Hollis the other day. So Becky Hollis was... Uh, She worked with me for a long time. I met her when she did her degree in marketing. She was doing a dissertation on social media, I think it was. And she found me on the internet and interviewed me and asked if if she could interview me. And I was like, yes. So then she came into my world and then she just kept coming back into my world and back into my world. And eventually she worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I saw her the other day. And it was so funny because obviously I've coached her for years and years at her business. By the way, Gus, she is just done. I'm like a pride parent. She is amazing. Yeah. And I sat with her the other day, and I'm chatting away, and I was showing her something I'd done a reel. I was feeling very proud of myself, and she looked at it and she went, it's "Too long. This is this, this change this do this do that." And it was like, and then she went, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, T. Is that I'm so sorry?" Because obviously it was like roles reversed, and I was like, yeah. "It's fine, Becky," because like I can't do it for myself I can't look subjectively Mm. to myself I need someone else to look in and go actually this would be better this way or you know this is how I think about it or whatever so yeah
1: absolutely you know I always (laughs) it's funny you say that because I um I'm doing this coaching program at the moment as in receiving coaching I was I was saying to the the coach not by me not by you no oh, no this is a this is a Get free off the program. podcast this is a friend this is a free program so yeah don't oh, okay yeah, that's yeah. fine then so uh, so and if that goes well and i make enough money i'll be able to pay you thanks very great i look forward um, to it that's the important thing yeah yeah so um and i wouldn't obviously i wouldn't go anywhere else yeah you know, well i'm glad to hear but, it um but what i was saying was what i said to this business coach was that i uh i very much sometimes feel like i don't want to be, for anybody with history but it's the whole leon um the leon trotsky thing so when leon trotsky and kind of Stalin were uh gonna replace lenin leon trotsky thought he was great he was like he didn't have to promote himself every he thought he was a shoo-in for the job and he just kind of told everybody i'm great at what i do that's the way it is ultimately he was killed with a pickaxe in the in the middle of the mountains but that's, that's a different just- story um but it's that sometimes it's that arrogance of I'm brilliant at marketing, so I should be able to do this. It's nice and easy for me kind of thing. And it's not until you actually get into the weeds and you think, you know, sometimes you need those other people to tell you, well, this is how it is, or this is how yeah. I can help, or this is what you should do, et cetera. And it's kind of those epiphanies where you think, oh, really, I, I should know that. But I spent too long working with other people and working for other yeah. people and helping other people make money and, and
0: all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and I, I think totally like- get that always learn something like I I constantly learn things and okay not so much about the marketing basics because we know that and we know the Mm -hmm. strategies and we know the like that sort of stuff but I constantly I constantly look at you know I didn't used to look at other people's stuff and I'm now opening back up to it in terms of like going okay that's interesting they did this and that was the result they got and and this is a thing because it is such a moving feast although the strategy remains the foundations and if you've got that wrong then you're a little bit buggered Mm. but the we've got that bit but sometimes the the way we um use those or sometimes the way the tools that we use on top of that strategy can be different and it's interesting to see and I think we've just got to stay open and curious and just be like you know who's doing what and how could that be good and could it work for us and that sort of thing so I think I have no problem in someone Sharing their thoughts with me about my stuff. Hmm. Some people has a better weight than others in terms as to whether I'll listen to it, of but course. they can share absolutely fine, not a problem. Yeah. Anyway, we've whittled on about this too long. Although I do have to say one more thing, right? Go so on. you did a marketing degree, four Ps. You would know who Philip Kotler is.
1: You know, just in my head, I was just about to mention that because when somebody says to me, "Oh, I do marketing," or you know, I've got a marketing background, etc., I always, I always ask what was the last Philip Kotler book you read kind of thing? Cause, cause most people are like who? And it's, and it's really, it's fascinating because I'm actually on that note. So my business is called the M guru and the M unsurprisingly stands for marketing. Now, Philip Kot- Kotler is the original marketing guru and that's yeah. kind of what everybody knows him as and what he calls himself. Yeah. And if you type in, if you Google the marketing guru, the Philip Kotler, you know, comes up. And, and it was, when I was studying marketing and then when I got my first job, it was my boss at the time that said to me, oh, you're like our marketing guru. And that's kind of where the name stuck. So I'm going to run a business with that name. Um, but obviously it's trademarked and copyrighted elsewhere. So the hence why yeah. I shortened it to him. Yeah. But anyway, it came from Philip Kotler and that's the thing. And I think most marketers, most Good marketers should know who Philip Kotler is. So it's always a it's always a question I ask when somebody says, oh, I'm I'm just like you." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're really not, mate." No
0: so, <laughs> did you know that I spoke at his only UK event he's ever done? No way, really? I did I not met know that. Him. That's I oh, met amazing. Him, and I nearly like first off, this is like between, you know, you, I and the rest of the podcast listeners. Sure. When they approached me, I thought he was dead right because he was old <laughs> when we did our degree when I did my degree like yeah. he was the like you said he was the marketing guru I yeah. assumed this guy was ancient and there was no way he'd still be alive now no he's yeah. very much alive and he did an event in the UK so he has world marketing something or other and he does events all around the world and he was bringing his yeah. first one to the UK and somehow they found they found me through my TEDx which is awesome And then they contacted me and said, would you speak? And I was like the only professor, the only one that wasn't a professor. The rest of them were professors. And obviously they all, a lot of the speakers, not him, but a lot of the speakers spoke like they were professors and everyone was university students. There was a lot of university students. That was kind of the point of it. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, I get on being like, "Yeah." like some crazy woman anyway but it was madness to actually stand next to him and be like I learned from your book at university and now I'm speaking at your event like this is mind-blowing and then we did one we did one over lockdown so he then did the world's marketing summit which, again, was going to university students. So it's not my audience. However, like, mm. if he asks you to do something, you're not going to say no. Of so course. we did an event. It got streamed to 104 countries. And wow. it had half a million people attend the event. Gee, that is nuts. nuts, isn't it? That's
1: quite the audience. Nuts. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, and I was getting all these DMs from... Mm very strange countries. That's in the countries aren't strange, but it was just odd. So like I was getting DMs from like Pakistan. I was getting DMs from like, like just you know a lot of mm. a lot of countries that my husband had been to in the military which was, <laughs> yeah. he was like what are you doing but like yeah. and there was pictures they would they would take a photo of me on their tv at whatever mm. country they were in and dm me going thank you miss Teresa. it was so hard I was yeah. just like, this is nuts
1: that is that is nuts that's mind-blowing and and it's uh, I mean, first of all, the fact that he asked you back—I mean, that's you know, that's one. Thing, I know, awesome. right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, I know, amazing. But the fact that you, they, they found you in the first place—you got you, you know—you got to stand next to Philip Kotler and kind of deliver on the same bill and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that is yeah, yeah that's crazy. Unbelievable. It's like a For like a an
0: degree person. That mm. is like that is like goals. Isn't yeah,
1: it? it's the it's the yeah, absolutely, yeah, holy. Gra- and you know, it's, it's funny you say that because one of my goals was always to be on your podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I know where you're coming from now.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, Gus. <laughs> so we better give these people some content. Um, hope you've enjoyed that. Nah, I've yeah, had a lovely time.
1: <laughs> this is great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: we'll just <laughs> nice chat. to see. You. Um, yeah. So you are uh the number one LinkedIn trainer as said by your mum which According I love my mum yeah well done Because his <laughs> mum also sorry the other thing I was thinking about because you've done all these post-grad stuff are you a doctor I think Dr G would be great brand name that,
1: that would be but no I'm not a doctor no I, a I yeah I uh I might look into it yeah PhD of, I think of I would
0: marketing. just do one just for the brand of Dr G yeah the marketing guru
1: I could yeah I, could, I should try that yeah
0: yeah I think that's
1: cool. Uh, <laughs> leave that <mind>. with me
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it won't take long to do a doctor I'm sure no, um, no. <laughs> 10 minutes. minutes should be fine yeah absolutely. um just buy one off the internet um <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay
1: be, let's right.
0: talk LinkedIn okay so why did you pick LinkedIn what was it that it did for you
1: so it's where I started to get most of my leads. LinkedIn is the place where I started to get most of my leads uh, mm. when I first started my business. So uh, I tried my hand at Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and I still do kind of those because I, I very much like to keep my hand in in kind of like most social media platforms. But LinkedIn was the one where I was getting the most uh, interaction, the most engagement, et cetera. And actually, it was the place where I was, you probably found the realest me, if, if that makes sense. I used that to tell- is interesting. Yeah, I used to, like, everywhere else was very, because on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, et cetera, you have your business accounts, uh, you know, alongside your personal accounts. So I was Gus Bandel personally and then, pro, you know, uh, professionally the M guru kind of thing. Whereas on LinkedIn, you focus on your personal profile. Yeah. So, just you know, I, I I was Gus Bandel, but I was the real Gus Bandel. So it's where I told stories and where I kind of uh, would share my life and all that kind of stuff and et cetera, as opposed to everywhere else where I said, oh, I know this in marketing and you should kind of buy my services yes. and all that kind of stuff. So um, I chose LinkedIn because it's the place where I could I could really be me and really kind of push forward on that. And when I started getting leads and inbound leads and all that kind of stuff, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, actually, there are some people out there that like me. So I thought oh, I was kind of go all in on it. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was
0: surprising. Yeah, yeah, Thanks. thanks. So that's interesting because I think if I was to ask people which is the platform you're most real on or mm-hmm. most you on, I don't think many people would say LinkedIn because I think, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I think there is a history of, well, LinkedIn is just business. So you just Mm shut business and must've been, I don't know, five years ago, I was at Social Media Marketing World and, oh man, who was it? Who was it? I can't remember his name. He's pretty big Mm -hmm. in our space. He was talking about, actually, he's just chucking everything on LinkedIn. And I remember at the time sitting there watching it thinking, you're doing what? Like, what is this craziness? But like, how do you feel about that? Is it somewhere we should be putting our real selves? Is it somewhere, like at the weekend, I don't know if you've seen my Instagram, but I hate saying that because it makes me sound like a right idiot. But my Instagram <laughs> this weekend, I was sorting out my dad's house. My dad's moving house. Well, he's actually mm. moving my sister after 50 years of living in our childhood home. Wow. And we are going through the home of 50 years worth of stuff. It is a lot of work. no doubt. But I am finding all the photos. So I put some photos of me up on Instagram. Mm. Oh, I was... I was a stunning-looking teenager. I can tell you that. Someone I, yeah, I have no doubt. Someone <laughs> replied to me. It was brilliant, saying, "This is more Nigel than Nigella." <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's how good those photos are. But yeah. like So obviously, I did a story in the morning, and I'd got my hair plaited. I'd got my hoodie on because I was like, "I'm going to my dad's. I'm yeah. sorting out his house." do you want to see any embarrassing photos of me? Put up a poll. Obviously, everyone said yes, because, you know, who doesn't? Yeah. And put some photos off of me. Like, is that the stuff I should be putting on its, on LinkedIn? Like, how personal and real are we being? Uh,
1: the, the short answer is we have to be as real and as personable as uh, as possible, I think. And, you know, we live in a world now where people buy from people. It's very, you know, all the big, sorry, most of the big brands have a face kind of thing. Yeah. We, when we think about, bill gates and mark zuckerberg and elon musk mm-hmm. and richard branson and etc yeah. etc you know the a lot of big brands have a face and and most of those personal brands have a bigger following than the companies that they run mm-hmm. and if we bring this down to a, like a mere mortal level for us i think you know people buy from us and what i always say is it's a case of making yourself ungooglable. That is a word. I just made it up. But it's it's um I do this a lot in presentations. It's about when people think about what you do for a living, you don't want them to go to Google because as soon as they do that, they you know you've lost them. So if somebody yeah. goes to Google and types in social media manager or LinkedIn trainer, etc. Me personally as Gus, I'm not on page one, so I've lost people. Yeah. The point what I do is I post as much content about myself on LinkedIn so that when people think I need a social media manager, I need a LinkedIn trainer, I need help with this rather than go to google they they think of my name kind of thing and i think it's that because people buy from people i think that's where linkedin is the number one platform for mm. for us to kind of share that information with people
0: so let's like talk you know basics what type of things are you posting how are you you know, when I think personal stuff, like what I posted yesterday, it has nothing to do with what I do as a business. It was literally, this is what I'm doing on my Sunday. How, if that's the right kind of content to put on there, the question I used to get from everybody when we, when I talked about social media was, well, that's not going to buy from you. They're not going to know me as Teresa, the kick-ass coach. Like, so what type of stuff are you posting and what's the mix of like sales and personal and that sort of stuff?
1: So personally, I so first of all, in terms of the numbers, I have an arbitrary figure of roughly around 70, 70, 30. So basically 70% of my content is personable content. Ultimately, as business people, we have to sell, we have to tell the world, well, this is what we do. So, you know, for you, it would be here are some, you know, old school photos, or here's me making a lasagna, or here's me yeah. delivering a talk, or here's me going networking, and then intersperse that with the 30% of I'm a kick ass coach, this is what yeah. I do, this is how I help and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's the two, it's, it, it's the two stories that intertwine that kind of get people together to say, well, actually, Yes, she's a business coach, but obviously, if I went to Google and just typed in "business coach," there's a million pages, right? Yeah, what I course. want to know is who is a business coach that I like, that I can get on with, that I think is fun, that I, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm looking for fun, if it's just oh, I'm looking for somebody really professional and boring, then your content then, should be professional and boring. It's that. Yeah, then don't that's not me. You, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, so it's it's that element of. still have to sell but actually you have to tell the world about the kind of person that you are so in terms of the content that i post it is very much the you know this is what i'm doing with my week this is what i'm up to i'm going networking i've got speaking gigs i've just bought some orange trainers i've i don't know i've eaten some terry's chocolate orange you know etc it's all that interspersed. it's um what i don't do i never generally i never talk about my wife or my child okay um, but, that's but just
0: personal me. preference that's just personal
1: preference yeah yeah that's just is just not something i do but um and it's not weirdly it's not intentional it's no it's just it just works out that way because mm-hmm. i'd rather you know i'm i'm very self-involved i'd rather just talk about me you know what i mean i don't want anybody <laughs> else taking the limelight so
0: that's the other thing and um kids are normally cuter people like them so you're probably exa- really, you know exactly i mean he's almost <laughs> as cute as me yeah
1: so uh so, yeah. don't tell him i said that so, it, it, you know, it's that case of, you know, what what makes you tick? What's the kind of person that you are? And I think that's where you, uh, you know, people resonate with you. So, for example, a lot of my content is comparatively inane. It's not uh, overly professional, et cetera. But I get a lot of clients who come to me and say, we want you to teach us how to be personable on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, one client specifically said, you write a lot of shit on LinkedIn. Can you do that for me as well? <laughs> Great, yeah, that's exactly you know, and that was the exact quote kind of thing. And I, I said, love it. <laughs> So it's it, it's that element of um, your vibe attracts your tribe. I know that's a very yes. trite <laughs> thing, but, it's, but it is, it's yeah, true. but it's true. Yeah.
0: yeah. So what about what shouldn't we be doing
1: on LinkedIn? Uh, you shouldn't own personally, I think you shouldn't only be posting about work. If all of your content is, this is what I do. You know, I'm running strategy days. I do marketing strategy. I do this. I do marketing. I do social media. I can help you with this. I can help you with that. Ultimately your audience will eventually switch off because they'll think, well, yeah, this person does that. And, but that, that's it. What I want to know is all the other bits that will mark you out like different to everybody else the bits yeah. that will make you ungooglable. I don't want to go to Google to search for someone like you. I want to find you on LinkedIn or any social media and work out that you're the person I want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um once people go to Google, one once people leave and start searching for the the job that you do, you've lost them, basically. So it's yeah. the idea of um telling enough stories. So what you shouldn't do is only post about work or only post the mm-hmm. the professional stuff because people switch off to that. I think there's uh, yeah, there's a uh, there becomes a kind of, you know, blind side where people just think. Yeah. Yeah. I I know what they Breenness.
0: do now. Yeah, yeah. And
1: then, uh, yeah. And then people stop interacting, they stop engaging, and then yeah. you kind of you fall out of the mind's eye. So at the moment they are ready. They're not thinking of you because you're just like
0: everybody else. And how do you know that? How do you know if like so my engagement on LinkedIn is not amazing. So what am I but we're posting regularly. So what am I doing wrong? Or what should I be doing? to help increase that engagement
1: have you posted photos of you as a child or the photos that you found on linkedin no No, exactly so that's what you should do and that's the that's and not just specifically that but lots of things like i know like i can go through your instagram and learn all about you because i know you post that on instagram if you shared that content onto linkedin your engagement will go up uh i can't guarantee that obviously but in theory your engagement will go just on that note what i should say is everything that i teach on linkedin everything that i train people with everything that i talk about is from personal experience i have read all the linkedin books i follow all the linkedin other linkedin trainers and all that kind of stuff but i deliver work so i can kind of say this is what's worked for me. This is what's worked for my clients. And this is what I can see. And I think in particular, when you start telling those, per- when I started telling personal stories and started talking about my wa- uh, my life and journaling my week and all that kind of stuff,
0: yeah.
1: I started getting more leads. And it was people that wanted to talk to me, wanted to kind of be in my, you know, fall into my force field, et cetera. So for you, I think it's sharing that personal content mm. um, without being too personal. It's more about this is what's going on in my life rather than, kind of saying oh you know here you know here's my daily
0: bowel movements or anything yeah i'm having a breakdown or something yeah. Keep yeah that. absolutely yeah yeah you know it's so mean, funny go on
1: you could you could yeah well <laughs> i'm having a breakdown and you'll you know you'll get a lot of empathy and all that kind of stuff but at the same time you know do we do we want a business coach that has breakdowns i don't know it's i kind don't of, think you know, so i don't
0: think you're, so. supposed to, you're supposed to help us with our breakdowns exactly you know, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm meant to be way over my breakdowns yeah. by the time i yeah, coach yeah. people exactly yeah, yeah it was funny i did uh Obviously, I have someone help my social media, and I did a thing a few months back where I very bravely got into swimwear and went and stood on a beach, all part of this thing with Brian e. Gordon, who's a um, Telegraph uh, uh, journalist. And there was, a, there was an ulterior motive, which will eventually come out at some point as to why I wanted to get in front of Bryony. But anyway, in order to get in front of Bryony, I had to get in my swimwear and stand on a beach and have photos taken. Mm-hmm. And there was a competition and I thought, oh, I'll just enter the competition, which was to win swimwear from a brand called Curvy Kate. And I won. So not only did was I going to this thing and going to get in swimwear, I'm now one wearing one of their swimwears and they were sponsors of it so I ended up on their social media with like 400,000 plus followers across all their social media platforms me stood full picture in swimwear which I cannot tell you how out of my comfort zone that was and after a little while Becky said to me can we do a post about it because I put it in an email and it was on my stories Mm -hmm. So I was like, right, so she should send me some pictures that you're comfortable with. So I found a few pictures that I was semi-comfortable with, but still pushing myself about in my comfort zone. And without even thinking about it or talking about it, Becky just did what she normally does. And she posted to Insta, to Facebook and to LinkedIn. Wow. And I didn't even realise. So I'm sat there one day and I get going to LinkedIn and get lots of notifications. I'm like, what's going on here then? And there's me in my swimwear on LinkedIn, and like old clients, old male clients going, Oh, well done, T, excellent tea. And I'm mm. just like, Oh, what have you done? And I messed up going, you put it She She's like, Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Like, Don't put it on LinkedIn, but she did. And the engagement was kick ass.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just because you were in a bikini. I mean, I'm sure that helped, but it's, it's the fact that it, it's um it's real life it's but there was a purpose right there was a purpose so it was you know it was for a good cause and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff etc i mean i've made a note here curvy k go check out the website asap (laughs) kind of thing etc yeah bookmark it and all that kind of stuff but that's a different that's a different yeah yeah, yeah, exactly um but it you know it's that it's that real life element do you know what i mean yeah you know um uh you know and i you know if we I don't want to talk about the dark side of LinkedIn because I think LinkedIn is great and it's the best platform ever, et cetera. I, I but think the, we should,
0: you know, light and dark together, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's always that element of, well, you know, how much of that engagement is because you're an attractive woman in a bikini, you know? And it's, you know, but there's that, I'm, we can attribute it to like DMs and all that kind of stuff, et cetera. But ultimately, I think for the most part, most people on LinkedIn although it's a professional setting and they recently at the time of recording this podcast, they recently announced that they've, you know, hit a billion members, et cetera. It's a billion professionals. So people on there who want to talk to each other, but to separate ourselves from the other billion people on there, Mm. we share these photos of us or share Mm. bits of our lives, et cetera. If you just went on there and just said every day and said, I'm a kick-ass business coach, eventually people would switch off. And And I think it's that, yeah, that element.
0: How much proactive engagement do you do other than just posting? And what does it look like?
1: So somebody said to me the other day, they said, oh, you know, you're all over LinkedIn. You're like, we see you every day. And I said, well, actually, I only post twice a week two to three times a week it's like an optimal mm-hmm. amount but people will see me every day because I do a lot of outbound engagement so what I normally say like I again I have an arbitrary figure of 10 to 1 basically so for every post I post I engage with a client like 10 other posts etc and when I say engage I mean like actual like reading it commenting, commenting on
0: it you know, genuine responses
1: yeah, exactly. And and not not just for the sake of it. I don't just scroll through my feed and pick the first 10 posts. I pick the ones that are relevant to me or the ones that my ideal clients would see or the ones where I want my network to see and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, again, like I said, it's an arbitrary figure, but I do a lot of outbound engagement because I think that's where the gold is. The gold is in the engagement. It's, you know, the, all marketers will say the keyword in social media is social. Right. So it's mm-hmm. all about that. Um, that personality that being personable Mm -hmm. engaging with each other treating it like a networking event etc so I do a lot of outbound engagement whereas I don't post every day you know yeah
0: which I think you know to some people that must be a blessed relief to not have to post Mm -hmm. every day but also there's something pretty rewarding about LinkedIn because you're not fighting now yes they've got a huge following but as we stand at the moment and correct me if I'm wrong it still has pretty good, like the algorithm's still pretty kind to us. Mm. We still get, like you said, you can post a couple of times a week and that though the, the lifetime t- of that post will last. Like yeah. in terms of something like Instagram or I mean, I've now actually come off Twitter. I've my account's still there, but I've basically said I'm not on here because it is a very mm. uh it's just a really interesting place to be and not one I want to be. So it's accessible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I so I paused that. And Facebook is just so that I can advertise when I advertise and we post there. But really for me, I think LinkedIn and Insta are going to be the two that we focus on, but Hmm. it is better from a spending time and getting rewards back than something like Insta, would you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the the algorithm still rewards people that use the platform, how Hmm. it's supposed to be used. Um, And there's lots of people that will trot out the old kind of the, the, um, the stats. So for example only 1% of people on linkedin post consistently for yeah. example so just by posting you know once or twice a week you you know you're better than 99% of the billion people that are on there for mm-hmm. example the other thing is uh, there's no reason to post every day there is a reason to do the outbound engagement but the way the algorithm works is it will recognize that people are using the platform and then will share your content with more people and with your yeah. audience etc related to that linkedin is still the only place you get to curate your own audience everywhere else like instagram or twitter or facebook etc you have to rely on people following you on linkedin you get to use the search box and find exactly who you want to talk to and if you connect with them and they accept your connection request all of a sudden you've got a positive echo chamber of exactly the people that you need to speak to which then helps to grow your engagement because your ideal clients are the ones reading your content because they're the ones you've connected to
0: How do you? One last question. I'm conscious of our time because we talk so much about marketing, and uh, (laughs) but how do you manage? Because I know one thing that puts people off, and certainly puts me off, is I get a ton of connection requests, and they're just like that. I'm going to say the spam, but they're not actual spam. They are real Mm. people, but they have an objective in mind, and. Mm inevitably that objective is to probably sell to me how do you manage with that side of LinkedIn the very the cold DMs the connecting hey I just wanted to connect with you oh have you seen this thing like Mm. how do you manage with that and not get too like I can't even cope with it anymore
1: so personally so when I receive a terrible connection request um, if it's one that's kind of basically said, hey, this is what I do for a living, you know, we should book a call or whatever. I would <laughs> respond and say, well, actually, I do LinkedIn training, and what you've done is not wrong and not the right way to do it. So, how about you book a call with me first, kind of thing, you know, and all. So I do that kind of thing, and, and obviously, that. it's it's a yeah. very low success rate to be honest, because you know, <laughs> when you tell people that they're wrong, they they don't like it. No, I mean. Um, yeah, it's funny that, right? So, but I, I always do my due diligence. So whoever is coming in and however they, because ultimately people have to sell and I think people have just been trained badly. I think that's the thing as opposed to people being purposely purposely rude or anything like that. So I always do my due diligence. If it's somebody that I could either work with, somebody that could either be a client or a supplier or is good for my network, or we have lots of mutual connections, or we're both based in the UK and all that kind of stuff, then I'll normally accept. At the moment, they kind of hit me with a pitch without. actually getting to know me etc then it's it's a delete it's kind of like thanks but no thanks i'm now gonna delete you because i don't want you to do doing that to my network etc so um so it's all about doing that due diligence but yeah it's it's making sure that somebody fits the profile of the people that you want to be connected to like i don't connect with for example people from india or pakistan or etc because i know as some like for example an seo specialist in, in india don't have a network that's going to be suitable for me i'm not going to use them for my work etc so i just don't connect etc whereas if it's yeah if it's somebody uk based if you know etc as long as they've sent the right message or um they have the the right things on their profile of your mutual connections then then i accept but it's due diligence it's all about the due diligence it kind of takes time to create the
0: perfect audience so to Quick five questions, even though I said that was last one. Uh, sure. First one is, do you get people to follow you or do you get them to connect? Ideally, I get them to connect. Uh, mm-hmm. LinkedIn is a massive networking platform,
1: so I'd rather have two-way conversations, et cetera. So as a – and I could talk for days about this, but it's all about creator mode. So I've got creator mode switched on, which turns the connect button to a follow button. So when I meet people, I always say, please click the three dots and connect with me as opposed to okay. following me. Um But also on the flip side, what I do is I go through my followers. Anybody that has just clicked follow and And not connected, I go through. And if there's anybody interesting, I'll I'll connect to them basically. So, but in an ideal world, you want to connect as opposed to
0: follow. And then the last one, is it just a case of, and I'm sure that I probably have given this advice in the past, like connect with as many people or are you really trying to curate your feed and therefore you're being very strict so for instance if we were friends but I was in a completely different industry doing a completely different thing you wouldn't connect with me because I wouldn't you wouldn't want me to mess up your algorithm like is it like that or
1: what so uh... I don't believe that you should have a massive following. Like, don't just connect to anyone and everyone. There's no, the numbers, you know, they're just vanity metrics, right? They don't yeah, mean no. anything. And I know there's lots of LinkedIn trainers who say, hey, I got to 100,000, you know, followers and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you, nobody likes you anyway, kind of thing. Yeah, like, regardless. <laughs> so, you know, that's how I almost, I always use profanity then, but I won't. But yeah, everybody still thinks you're a, you know. But... On the flip side, it's about curating the perfect audience. So even if you meet somebody and you think, well, they're not an ideal client, they're never going to buy from me, I'm never going to buy from them. It's about people's networks, for example. So it's where, you know, what I call the octopus tentacle to go through the network and start sucking people back into you. So you may not be my ideal client, but I'll connect to you because you might be connected to people that would want to use my services and vice versa. You know, I'll have people in my network that want to use you. And when we engage with each other, those networks kind of see each other. So it's just that, the whole six degrees of separation thing
0: yeah yeah so so yeah you can follow anybody or get anybody to connect with you however just don't like do it just for numbers
1: yeah it's uh, yeah don't do it willy-nilly as I say it's not it's not about the numbers it's not about just you know having a massive following because ultimately there's only a small part of your audience at any time will that that will see your content anyway so you if the more people that you connect to the larger your audience is the tougher it is to get to the people that actually should be ultimately giving you money, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. Gus, thank you so much. I have loved talking to you. It has been thank such you. fun, as I knew it would. Uh, obviously, well, it would have be been funny if I go, where can people find you? You're not on LinkedIn. How can they find you? What are they searching for to find you? So you can either search for Gus Bandel uh,
1: or you can search for my hashtag, which is mguru UK. And if you like literally, if you go to Google and type in M guru UK, you'll find out all about me. There's all my, uh, there's my website, all my social media channels, uh, all my memberships, my inside leg measurement, everything. It's all over Google, basically. But M guru UK.
0: His only fans account. I'm only joking.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's private. You won't find that on Google. That's only on Bing. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> We always joke. I, Biz Paul is a very good friend of mine and mm. I know you know him and, uh, we do like a little mastermind every other Monday where we get on a call mm-hmm. and have a chat with each other. And if ever one of us is like, Oh, it's tough at the moment. The other one goes, well, oh, it's only fans. Yeah.
1: Well, there is. And now, now that I, do, I mean, your only fans is going to be like a, just an extrapolation of curvy Kate. So, that's- <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to yes. check that out later. I'll send you a check. It'll be fine. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Gus. (laughs) Thank you so much, Gus. I really appreciate you having you on the podcast.
1: The pleasure is absolutely all mine. Thank you, Teresa.
0: Thank you. So there we go. The lovely, lovely Gus. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please do go check him out. Please do tag us in. He is on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, as you know. Uh, Please let us know what you thought of the episode. We love it when we hear from you. Have a wonderful rest of your week and I will be back next week. Until then, take care.